Years ago, I heard a, a true story. I think it was from Paul Harvey. Anybody remember Paul Harvey? Yeah, I miss Paul Harvey. <laughs> um, page two, page three, he had, uh, had great commentary. But he told a, a true story about the, some immigrants that moved to this country. And um, they were very friendly. They were, they were very kind and all of that. And um, they opened a restaurant. And although they weren't real good with the English language yet, um, they wanted to welcome people in so they could show them hospitality. And so they put a sign in the window of their restaurant that said, Come in, let us hospitalize you. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Not quite the type of hospitality most of us seek. Today we actually learn a lot about hospitality from some folks that lived on the island of Malta. And so if you have your Bibles, I invite you to open in the book of Acts chapter number 28, the last chapter of this incredible book and the last message nearly of this series. The latest ordeal with Paul started back in Acts chapter 26 when during his trial before King Agrippa, he appealed to Caesar. Chapter 27 of the book of Acts describes how they set sail from Rome. Uh, I'm sorry, they set sail from Caesarea for Rome, a couple thousand miles away, so that he could, in fact, have his case heard before Caesar. It turns in, as we found out, to an ill-fated voyage. It wound up in a 14-day hurricane, culminating with their ship crashing onto some island. Miraculously, all 276 people on board made it safely to shore where we pick up their story today. And so if you're able, I invite you to stand with us on the beach as we read from Acts chapter 28, beginning in verse number 1. Hear the word of God. Once safely on shore, we found out that the island was called Malta. The islanders showed us unusual kindness. They built a fire and welcomed us all because it was raining and cold. Paul gathered a pile of brushwood and as he put it on the fire, a viper driven out by the heat fastened itself on his hand. When the islanders saw the snake hanging from his hand, they said to each other, This man must be a murderer, for although he escaped the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. But Paul shook the snake off into the fire and suffered no ill effects. The people expected him to swell up or suddenly fall dead. But after waiting a long time and seeing nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds and said he was a god. (laughs) Keep your Bibles open this morning. God, I thank you today for your word. I thank you, Lord, for how precious it is to us that Lord provides to us instruction as well as description and Father examples that we can learn from. And so, God, I pray today for the help of your Holy Spirit as we look into it, that you might teach us, that you might reveal to us not only lessons, not only information, but God, reveal yourself. We ask in Jesus' name and everyone said... Amen. You may be seated today. Everybody say Malta. Welcome to Malta. Malta is an island about 60 miles south of Sicily. There in the Mediterranean Sea, it's not very big. It's only about 18 miles long. It is about 8 miles wide. 
Whoops, let's back up there. So it's not all that large. The sailors on board probably were familiar with Malta, although they didn't recognize it because they came into a bay they probably had never sailed into before. Well, as I did the research for this message, I also didn't recognize the Malta that I thought existed. I always pictured it as an island full of wild headhunters and savages and all of that who took pity on these shipwrecked people. Not at all. The people on Malta were actually very civilized. They had towns, they had industries, they had agriculture. And most commentators believe that the island was really thriving when Paul and all of his buddies arrived there. The main reason, I think, for my misconception, and perhaps that of others, is the various ways this word islanders in the NIV is translated in some other versions. The King James Version says they were barbarous people. The American Standard Bible calls them barbarians. And the New King James Version refers to them as natives, conjuring up images of Squanto and Pocahontas, which weren't all that barbarian either, by the way. But the reason this is, is because the Greek word that is used here, uh, that Luke uses, is barbaroi. It is certainly the word that we get our word barbarian from, but the Greeks referred to anybody that didn't speak Greek as a barbarian. Is it an interest the way we look at other people that aren't like us and we consider them uncivilized, we consider them barbarian or whatever else? Some things have not changed. It had nothing to do with how civilized somebody was, how primitive they were, how ferocious they were. It only had to do with the language that they spoke. You and I, if, if we don't speak Greek, would be considered barbarians. Some of us act that way sometimes. The people on Malta were very civilized. They, they spoke Punic because they had descended from the Phoenicians, although some of them probably also spoke Latin. Now, we also learned that they showed them unusual kindness. Everybody say kindness. The Greek word that is used here is philanthropia, from which we get our word philanthropy. Giving, being generous, and sharing with other people. Kindness. A little bit later, we find out that kindness didn't just last one day. It lasted over the full three months that they were on the island. We'll say more about that a little bit later this morning. So everybody on the ship just finished an unplanned polar bear swim. It's late October, maybe early November, so you can imagine how cold the water is by now. Besides that, there's been a 14-day storm And it's still raining. The average temperature on Malta about this time of year is at about 60. That's the daytime high. This is early morning. And as I said, they've also been uh, under a storm. And it's still raining as well. So they're soaking wet. So in unusual kindness, instead of staring at these shivering, drowned rats, (laughs) wondering if they're friends or foes, the islanders build them a fire. Now, I've always pictured a little campfire there on the beach. But as I've thought about it this week, I think it probably had to be a whole lot bigger if it was going to warm up nearly 300 people. Whatever the size, Paul is still in the forefront helping out, isn't he? He's not content to sit back and let somebody else serve him. He's going to serve other people. 
And we want to say a word about that today. I want you to notice today that the task of gathering firewood was not beneath the author of over half of the New Testament. He wasn't too good, this great thinker, this great philosopher, this planner of many, many churches. He wasn't too good to get his hands dirty. In the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. And you might remember that Jesus said, I did not come to be served, but to what? But to serve others. And so here is Paul, a servant, just like Jesus is a servant. And my friends, if we are going to follow Paul, if we're going to be like the Lord Jesus Christ, we will serve as well. They needed wood, so Paul helped gather it. I wonder today, are there some jobs that are beneath you? I remember years ago when I was teaching, we were processing deer one day. It was in November, and we were doing that for Sportsmen Against Hunger, and and uh, those were always busy days. It was just about lunchtime. I was trying to get things cleaned up, trying to get everybody to lunch on time and kind of barking orders, you know, clean up the tables. You grab this, you do that. And, and I said to one young man, I said, please get a mop and mop the floor. He looked at me and he said, Mr. Bowers, I don't mop floors. I was stunned. And I was infuriated. <laughs> I didn't do what came to my mind first, but I had a little talk with him. Did he just say what I thought he said? Some people think they're above certain jobs. I will never forget Bill Moyers, former mayor of Woodstock, former principal at at Triplet Tech. I remember him speaking to my leadership children, uh, leadership students several different times, and I remember him saying, sometimes you got to do what you got to do. He said, sometimes as principal, I have to unclog a toilet. Sometimes as principal, I have to clean up vomit. He says, you just do what you have to do. Um, today, we hear this, this phrase, well, it's not in my job description, right? It's not in my job. Well, school system got around that years ago. They included that little phrase that says, and anything else directed by the superintendent. (laughs) And so anything really can be in your job description. And most jobs, actually, most contracts are written that way now. Um, But really, if we are Christian, our job description is servant, which means anything our master asks us to do, we do. Now, that doesn't mean we have to gather all the firewood. doesn't mean we have to do all the dirty jobs all the time. But it does mean that we should never consider ourselves above cleaning a toilet or mopping a floor or gathering firewood. God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Which end of that do you want to be on? You want God to resist you because you're proud Do you want to receive his grace because of humility? So while Paul is there humbly serving other people, he picks up a pile of brush, bang! Snake just nails him on his hand. Everybody say, ouch. Wasn't expecting that, were you? It's kind of like Indiana Jones. Remember those movies? (laughs) He's just survived a 14-day horrible storm at sea. A tremendously violent shipwreck who finally gets on shore and he gets bitten by a poisonous snake. Poisonous, I say. 
that didn't escape the attention of the islanders. Verse number 4, let me reread it. When the islanders saw the snake hanging from his hand, they said to each other, this man must be a murderer. For although he escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. So here's our buddy Paul. Snake dangling from his hand. Everybody else is just freaking out. Snake, snake. This is no coincidence. Look, man, this guy deserves to die. Fate has finally caught up with him. If you've noticed in your Bibles, at least in my version, the word justice is capitalized. That's because they considered justice to be a goddess, a daughter of Zeus named Dike, who would make sure everybody got exactly what they deserved. I guess it's kind of like a first century version of karma. And so here, Paul's going to get what's coming to him. Verse number five. I love it. But Paul shook the snake off into the fire and suffered no ill effects. No big deal. What are you so worked up about? He doesn't go nuts. He doesn't freak out. He doesn't start screaming like everybody else. He just calmly shakes it in the fire, goes about his business. They're all staring at him. They're all waiting for him to keel over. Okay, when's it going to happen? When's when's it going to start? He just keeps going like nothing ever happened. When he doesn't collapse, they recalculate. They change their mind. And and they decide that uh, he must not be a murderer. He must be a god. (laughs) Oh, we people are so prone to extremes, are we not? We've got to categorize everything and and put it somehow. But maybe things are improving because back in Lystril on a couple of his missionary journeys ago, he got there and they first thought he was a god and then later stoned him. At least this is going the other direction now. (laughs) Well, he's making progress. And about a month ago now, Brother Bucky Miller got nailed by a copperhead while he was picking up trash. (laughs) Um, Ouch! Thankfully, it didn't penetrate Uh, I don't think anybody called him a god, but it sure got everybody's attention. Today, there are no poisonous snakes on Malta. Some critics have said that the one that bit Paul wasn't venomous because there aren't any poisonous snakes there. Really? I got to tell you this morning, I'm going to side with the islanders who lived there all their lives and knew this place a whole lot better than we do that live 2,000 years later many thousands of miles away. The Greek word that Luke uses actually means adder or other poisonous snake. Although there may not be any poisonous snakes there now, that doesn't mean that there weren't any there 2,000 years ago. What do you do when you see a poisonous snake around your house? Yeah, they did the same thing, okay? And they lived on an island... And so certainly, no bigger than it was, it was easily possible for them to kill them all and them to become extinct. Verse number 7. There was an estate nearby that belonged to Publius, the chief official of the island. He welcomed us to his home and for three days entertained us hospitably. Everybody say Publius. Not a name I would choose, but uh, anyway... Publius was the chief official of Malta. 
Apparently, his home was not far away from where they landed there on the, uh, on the island. And uh, they graciously welcomed at least some of them into his home. Now, this is really awesome. I, th- I think it's, uh, you know, God always confirms his word. But they have actually, archaeologists have actually uncovered a Roman estate there on Malta right near St. Paul's Bay. It is the largest estate yet discovered on the island, and speculation is that it belonged at one time to guess who? Publius. There's some some photos of what those remains look like, and um, perhaps exactly where Paul and the others were entertained. Now, Publius was evidently the island's governor, something like that, maybe the mayor, I don't know what they, it says chief official, that was a formal title. But whoever he was, he entertained them hospitably, not hospitalized them. (laughs) The Hawaiians brag about island hospitality. Nancy and I found it to be true when we were there a couple of years ago, except for the guy that yelled profanities at us when we turned around in his driveway. (laughs) I think that might have had something to do with the liquid he had been drinking. But anyway... Um, many people today have discovered that there's big bucks in hospitality. You can major in hospitality now in college. But hospitality is nothing new. Hospitality was actually one of the most uh, appreciated, most esteemed values of virtually all ancient peoples. Not just at the time of Paul... But even thousands of years before that, you might remember Abraham welcomed three visitors to his home. He was honored for that because he showed them hospitality. It was expected of everyone. On the other side, Sodom did not show hospitality. In fact, just the opposite. And they were gravely punished for it. Even those who weren't associated with Israel's God, everyone in the ancient world was expected to welcome strangers, was expected to show them hospitality, which makes me wonder today, how hospitable are you? How hospitable am I? Are we more likely to hospitalize somebody (laughs) or show them hospitality? I really enjoy reading books about local history, and some of you will remember Fred Painter, who wrote several different booklets about local history years ago. In one of those books, he mentioned a brethren family that had in their home what was called a tramp room. A tramp room. Tramp is what we used to call a homeless person that would move through the area, a vagrant of some sort. But the tramp room was a special bedroom in these people's homes that they kept ready for any homeless person that might come along. Well, we need to exercise caution. We need to use common sense. Don't let that be an excuse to become cynical and refuse welcome to some stranger. Especially somebody who's just been through a shipwreck in life some way or the other. For by so doing, Hebrews says, some have entertained angels without even knowing it. I don't know about you, I'd rather not turn away an angel. Imagine if those people had turned away the Apostle Paul when he had landed there. 
I'm very thankful for the homeless ministries that we have in our county. I'm thankful for the way that Antioch and many of you personally support them, not only with your dollars, but also with your service. Thank you for that. I pray we always do that. Jesus said, I was a stranger and you took me in. Or you didn't. One way or the other, he mentioned both possibilities. And so while we appreciate the work of these ministries, let's not use them as excuses not to show hospitality individually. Well, I support that, so I'm not going to do anything on my own. (laughs) No, it doesn't have to be either or. It can be both and. How can we reach out? How can we help somebody who's just been through a shipwreck in their life some way or another? Let's learn the importance of good hospitality from these Maltese islanders. Let's show it to everybody we know. Verse number 8. His father, that is Publius's father, was sick in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery. Paul went in to see him and after prayer placed his hands on him and healed him. When this had happened, the rest of the sick on the island came and were cured. So Paul's rest, uh, Paul's stay on this island was not just R&R, rest and recuperation. It was kind of more like M, M, and M, more ministry and mission. Publius's dad was sick. And instead of Paul saying, look, I'm on vacation, bud. Look, I, I, you know what? I've been, I've been through enough. I don't have to do anything. No, through the Holy Spirit, Paul miraculously healed him. The text says this man was suffering fever and dysentery, which are both symptoms of what we now know as Malta fever. The illness is actually caused by the bacteria of goats on the island of Malta and some other places in the region. It causes a fever that can last anywhere from four months up to three years. Of course, typhoid and malaria are also possibilities that this man could have had. Dr. Luke doesn't specify. Publius Sr. could have been suffering for quite a while before Paul arrives, just happened to be shipwrecked on the island. And when Paul healed him, What'd they do? They put it on Facebook. It went viral. And before you could say hospitality, all the sick of the island were on Paul's doorstep. And he healed them too. God was working mightily on this unfortunate event of an island where they just happened to end up. Verse number 10. They honored us in many ways. And when we were ready to sail, they furnished us with the supplies we needed. Once again, we see hospitality. It didn't just last a day, three months, and then gave them what they needed when they left. I don't know what the living arrangements were during that time. It's not a really big island for all 300 people to be be taken in, but they were. Somehow they were all cared for and housed until they could set out to sea again, which we'll get to next time, God willing. So why did Paul and his gang get shipwrecked here anyway? Why did they end up on little old Malta of all places? Well, we don't know all of God's purposes. But perhaps one of them was to shipwreck Paul on this particular island so that these people could be healed. 
so that they could be delivered from their suffering. Who knows, but perhaps someone on that island had been praying for something like this to happen. My friends, God does nothing by accident. Amen? Sometimes say, well, that was uh, just a coincidence. There are no coincidences. I don't believe in that. You are where you are to minister God's grace. To minister God's good news to whoever might be around you. How are you doing at that? You're not where you're at by accident. I want you to notice too the apostolic formula. Laying on of hands, praying and healing. We still do that. Sometimes we use oil in accord with James chapter 5. But in Mark chapter 16, Jesus said this. He said, after he rose from the dead, he looked at his disciples and said, Go into all the world, preach the good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. Malta is part of all the world, is it not? So is Woodstock, by the way. We also find out here that um, Paul picked up a snake, though not like some churches do it intentionally. But he was not harmed. And he laid his hands on sick people and they got what? They got healed. They got well. And I also, I personally believe he also preached the good news to them and he baptized them while he was there too. Would you expect Paul not to? Yeah, I think he was there three months. I think there was probably quite a three-month revival on that little old island of Malta. Wherever Paul went, he left Jesus behind. He left blessings behind. Do we? Do we try to be a blessing wherever we go, even places we end up we weren't planning to go to? Do we share Jesus wherever we are? I hope this passage reminds us to do exactly that. So even though Paul's plans got drastically changed... Didn't stop Paul from ministering, did it? Didn't stop God from working. And so I had to ask, was the horrible storm, the shipwreck, the snake bite, were they all demonic attacks to try to keep Paul from reaching Rome and preaching in the largest city in the empire? Maybe. Or... Were they God's way of redirecting Paul to bless the hospitable people on Malta? We will never know until we get to heaven. But it doesn't matter. Paul didn't waste his time and his energy trying to determine the spiritual cause of everything that was in play. He just served and he just loved others. My friends, that's what we're supposed to do. We often encounter detours in life, don't we? Flat tires, illnesses, all kinds of things. Some minor reroutes 
some major shipwrecks. Are the bad things that happen to us satanic attacks? Maybe. Are they government plots? Perhaps. Are they random events? Could be. Or are they God's plans? Paul, I think, would answer, does it matter? God either caused them or he allowed them. But regardless of whatever forces may be at work, our mission does not change. We are still to do what Paul did. Share the gospel. Love others and serve them in the name of Jesus. Amen? Share the gospel. Love others and serve them in the name of Jesus. My friends, let's follow Paul's example. Let's follow that of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you today for the example of your faithful servant, Paul, who was not above gathering sticks and firewood one minute and then turning around and healing people the next, who refused any kind of worship but pointed all to your son, Jesus. God, I thank you too this morning for the hospitality of those folks on Malta who reached out and did what they could to welcome people they had never met before, didn't know, had every reason perhaps not to trust, but did anyway. God, I I pray that you would help us to be wise and discerning, but Lord, help help us to be hospitable. Help us to welcome strangers in Jesus' name, for indeed, they are He. Father, I I pray that You might continue to bless those ministries that do that day in and day out. But Lord, I pray that we might also learn from Paul that regardless of where we're at, we could still share Jesus, we could still minister to others, we could still love them and serve them in the name of Jesus. Lord, help us to always do that. As we continue to pray this morning, if you're here and you've never met Jesus, that's the first and most important thing. You can't give to somebody else what you don't have. And so today, if you've never met Jesus, I invite you to ask him into your heart today. Ask him to save your soul, to forgive your sins, to wash away those sins, and to save you. He'll do that this morning. Father, I I pray that you would help our eyes to be open and our ears to be attentive to those around us who are in need of your hospitality, that we might love and serve them in the name of Jesus. For we ask it in his holy and precious name, and everyone said,